The following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. Well, I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 6. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount together. I am thoroughly enjoying the study. I find that this sermon is rich and full of meaning, and even though there are parts of it that I have memorized since I was a boy, I find myself drawing to it over and over again. Jesus is not only the master, not only the master of the universe, but he is the master teacher and preacher as well. And so in this sermon, he captivates us first with his introduction by speaking to us about how it is that we might have happiness. And what he conveys and what he teaches is that true happiness is only found in a relationship with God the Father. And that's why Jesus came, isn't it? Jesus himself said in Luke 19, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. He, he came for us. He came for you and me. And he declares then that we can have happiness when we have the blessing of God. And this first part of the sermon is called the Beatitudes. And we, are, we learn that you're blessed if you do this, and you're blessed if you do this. And it's a, it's a radical change from the way that the world lives. If the world looks at that list, they would say, this is the opposite way from happiness. But we know that it's the true way of happiness. It's eternal happiness. It's the joy of the Lord. Well, If happiness is the world's greatest desire, if we agree that every person on this planet has a yearning and a desire in their soul to be happy, then we would also probably have to agree that fear is the world's greatest problem. What is it that keeps people from the happiness that they so deeply desire to have. Now, fear comes in all kinds of categories now, and I'm, I'm going to use it this morning in its, in its widest biblical sense, uh, but we kind of dissect the word. So we talk about fears, that is actual phobias that we have, but we also talk about worries. We also talk about burdens. We also talk about anxieties, and we also talk about stresses. And, and we talk about those as if they are all different categories, but the, but the root of all of them is fear. And, and here in, in uh, Matthew 6, Jesus is going to call it worry. He's going to talk about our anxiety, and he just kind of lumps them all together. Because what really is a fear, a, a, a worry? A worry is you're fearful that something's going to happen, and so you you worry about whether or not it will or won't happen. So all of this together is worry, and and this really is the the greatest problem of the world. We we can't overcome our own fears. We can't overcome our own worry, and the ultimate worry and fear for every person on this planet is death. And so people are afraid of death, and they're fearful that it's going to happen to them. And so Jesus here is going to speak to it. It is the longest section of the Sermon on the Mount. And so it speaks right to the heart of who we are. Now, when 
we talk about these things that chain our souls. When we talk about encumbrances, we, we use words like chains. We use words like bonds. We use words like handcuffed. We, we talk about being in a jail cell. We are, we are enslaved by and bondaged by. We are imprisoned by our sin and our fear and our worry. So what Jesus is going to do, and he's going to do it in a very pragmatic fashion, believe it or not, is he's going to set you free from your chains. He's going to set you free from your your bonds, your handcuffs, from your imprisonment. And so this morning, I've just kind of grabbed the concept of what Jesus is teaching here, and I've used some common vernacular. Because if you and I are actually doing a job, we're going to go to somewhere, and we need to get in somewhere, and then we find that it's chained up. And it's locked there. And you say, no, but I've, given, I've been given full authority to go in there and get this stuff, but I don't have the key to that. Well, what do we got to have? Well, we stop and we go to the hardware store and we buy bolt cutters. And a bolt cutter is that thing which is able to break the chains so that we can get what we've been authorized to get even though we don't have the key. So this morning, I want to I use that imagery, if you will, and I want, us, I want us to see together in Matthew 6 five spiritual bolt cutters that will set you free from the sin of worry. Would you begin with me in Matthew chapter 6 in verse 19? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, and he says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. And so if your eye is healthy, the whole body's full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If then the light, that is the thing that you call light, is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now there's a a condemnation of the present culture that we live right there. We We live in a culture who actually claims that the darkness is light. And so Jesus says... So if what you call light is dark, how great is that darkness? But then he comes back to what he's talking about here with our treasure in our heart. And he says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. If you underline or write in your Bible, that's the phrase to get right there. No one can serve two masters. Do you see, if you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, these are the words of Jesus? So this phrase isn't up for debate. It's not like you can say, well, wait a second. I, yeah, I think I can serve two or three masters. The one who created you, the one who designed you, the one who understands you better than you know yourself, says to you, you cannot serve two masters. For either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and money. Now, on many occasions, I have used this passage to speak to the difficulties of money in our lives. 
And certainly we have other passages in Scripture which talk about the, the love of money is the root of all evil and all kinds of evil. And we can talk about that. But the context here is really worry. And the reason that you want more money, the reason that you think you need more money is because you have worries. You, you worry you're not going to have enough money. You, you think you're going to need money for this and you think you're going to need money for that. And so the reason that you want more money is that you are worried about what would happen to you if you don't have more money. And so the context of this, as we're going to continue to see, is really worry. And, and in this paragraph, we find spiritual bolt cutter number one. If, if you want to be set free from worry and anxiety and from uh, uh, stresses and fears... This is where it starts. Bolt cutter number one is this. Make the faith determination that Jesus is your only master. Jesus himself said, I hope you underlined it when I mentioned it, you cannot serve two masters. So what he's saying to you here is you have to make a decision. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a faith determination. By faith, we, we put our trust in Jesus, that he's going to be our master. You can't serve two masters, so decide right now what it's going to be. And it's really not even, it's really not even money. You can chase after money. Money can be your God. You can be your idol. But, but the problem with it is when you get a lot of money, then you still have the problem with worry, right? Because now you worry about keeping your money. If you don't have it, you worry about getting it. If you have it, you worry about keeping it. You worry about losing it. So your problems worry. And... In this passage, Jesus says, you should choose. You can't serve two masters. Make the faith determination that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. Choose Jesus as your master. I want you to notice this morning a word that I did not use on this occasion. I did not say, choose Jesus as your Savior. The text is clear. The text is choose Jesus as your master. If you choose Jesus as your master, he is indeed your savior. But there are many today in America who think that they've made a deal with God choosing Jesus as savior and not as master. If that's, if that's a willful decision, if what you want from God is just fire insurance, if you, if you just want to go to heaven when you die, and so you want Jesus as Savior, but you are unwilling to pronounce him as master, then I want you to know that for you, he's neither. Because if he's not your master, he's not your Savior. God doesn't make the deal where we're with a wink and a nod He's going to pretend that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. When we come to the cross, we come with complete surrender. We surrender all to him. We lay ourselves down. Even as Jesus gave all of himself, we give all of ourselves to him. And in that moment, he becomes our master. I become the servant. And the reason this is a bolt cutter for worry is that the servant doesn't have to worry about stuff. The master does all the worrying. The master's in charge of the estate. The master has the money. The master has all of the... The servant just has to say, yes. Yes, sir. 
and, and do the bidding of the master. And so this morning, if you're trying to keep one foot in heaven and one foot on earth, if this morning you, you want to go to heaven when you die, but you don't want Jesus to be your master, then I want you to know it's an, un, it, it's an untenable situation for you. You have, you have neither. And so Jesus says, you cannot choose two masters. You must choose one. Well, he continues in verse 26. He says, therefore, and in Scripture, when you see a therefore, you're moving to application. This, this passage is a, incredibly practical for our lives. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Now, let's just stop right there for a moment. Uh, three times in this passage that we're about to read, Jesus is going to say, do not be anxious. How many times does he have to say it for it to be true? Once. How many times does he have to say it for it to be a command? Once. How many times does he have to say it for us to hear it? And so he says it three times. Three times he says to us, do not be anxious. Now listen very carefully. This isn't any less of a command than do not lie, do not commit adultery, do not murder. Do not be anxious. Worry is a sin. And, And the reason so many of you are having problems with it is you've convinced yourself, well, it's not really a sin. No, it's a sin. Jesus says, do not be anxious. And he's going to give you spiritual bolt cutters that will set you free from this sin. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about your life, about what you eat or you drink or your body or what you put on it. And then he asks this rhetorical question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So spiritual bolt cutter number one was that we should make a faith determination that Jesus is our only master. Spiritual bolt cutter number two is Jesus is saying, listen to the hunger of your soul that tells you that there's more to life than just physical things. There's more to life than just the clothes that we wear. Is it cotton? Is it rayon? Is it polyester? It doesn't matter, does it? Life is more than just what kind of shingles are on the roof. Life is more than just, is it a burger, a taco, or a pizza? And I know that I pretty much covered most of your nutritional uh, family right there. So life is more than that. And you know that in the deep recesses of your soul, you know that because you are stamped with, you are imprinted with the image of God. And you and I have desires We have yearnings in our soul that the rest of creation does not have. This morning, and it doesn't happen often for me, but this morning I saw the sunrise. It was gorgeous. How do you just consider the fact that the sun is coming up to be both artistic and poetic and the touching of your soul? And why is it that a walk on a beach has something more than just tight and sand? Why is it that we have a yearning for poetry and music and art? Why is it that we want love and respect? 
Why is it that we have a desire for things that the rest of creation doesn't have? Let me prove it to you. Have you, have you ever had that moment where you had a, a small child with you? And then somebody turned the music on, and a toddler can't help but dance when the music's on, right? Why is that? If you had the toddler right there, and somebody turned the music on, and they start, that's my best move right there. You could have a dog in your house, many of you do, and the dog's lying on the floor, and the dog could look up at the toddler like this. Why is it that the dog didn't get up and dance? Because his soul isn't imprinted the way that child is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus says, isn't life more than clothes and food and shelter? You were imprinted with eternity on your heart. You were made for eternal things, immortal things, heavenly things, divine things. That's why you have that yearning. And it can only be found when you stop focusing on the superficial things of life. And it's why, and I'm going to say this really plainly, and it's why when we turn away from the things we were imprinted for, eternal, divine, holy things, and all we care about is beer and pizza and video games, that, that life isn't any different than a dog's life. It doesn't have anything eternal in it. Jesus says, isn't life more than physical things? We continue in this sermon. Jesus says in verse 26, as an illustration, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are. Now, uh, there's something here I don't have time to preach, but Jesus is telling us something about creation. Uh, All of creation isn't to be worshipped. The creator is to be worshipped. But in creation, there's a hierarchy. And the planet isn't at the top of the hierarchy. The hierarchy of all of creation is humanity, people. The planet was created for the people, The people don't serve and worship and idolize the planet. Jesus says, consider the birds of the air. And then he tells us there's something about, there's there's some degrees of worth and value. Aren't you worth more than them? But he uses them as illustration because he said, birds don't farm. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't bring them into barns. And yet the heavenly father cares for them. He loves them. When you see birds, like, you ever see birds and there's like a hundred of them all on a, all on a wire? Do you think that that's a, a bird support group for worry? It's not. Birds don't worry. And so Jesus brings us to spiritual bolt cutter number three. Believe in your heart and trust that God is a loving heavenly father. How much does he love you? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And he gave his one and only son to die, not for the planet, but for the people of the planet. Because you are the one made in the image of God. You are the one he's longing to restore fellowship with. And here he says it again, and I referred to it a couple weeks ago when we were looking at what he said on prayer. But now I just want to say it again. Many of us make God into our own image. Many on this planet 
I decide what I want God to be for me. And, and now, in our culture, we've kind of come to this conclusion, I'll decide what I want God to be for me, you decide what God can be for you, and we're all going the same way because the highest virtue is tolerance. No, the Bible says exactly who God is. He's a loving, heavenly father. And if your earthly father tainted that for you, or if you see it through some other filter, the Bible says over and over again, you can trust in him. You can bank on him. He's the loving, heavenly father who even cares for the birds. How much more value are you to him? This is what he says to us. This is, the, this is the bolt cutter that breaks the chains of worry for us. Well, he continues in this passage, and he says in verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, which of you by worry, which of you by fear, which of you by stress, which of you by anxiety can add a single hour to his lifespan? Bolt cutter number four, make your decisions based upon the logic that worry has absolutely no value at all. Um, If this morning I was not a believer in Jesus Christ, if this were not a church, if we were at the Holiday Inn at the conference center and I was a speaker who was not a believer speaking to you about the science of worry and anxiety, I could prove to you mathematically, statistically, emotionally, psychologically, and medically that you are not advantaged by, you are not benefited by worry at all. As a matter of fact, I could also make the case that not only is worry and fear, and phobia, and anxiety, and stress, not an advantage to you. It's a disadvantage to you. Because while you cannot add one hour to your lifespan, you can certainly, through fear and worry, take an hour off of your lifespan. Actually, a week, or a month, or a year. And I could make that logical, scientific case to you, even if I wasn't a believer. But this morning, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am standing in front of you, reading God's word to you. And I want to say to you, this is what's clear to us, that truth is always truth. And so spiritually, we see it as well. And so Jesus is saying to us, worry has no logic in it at all. You, you can't, by worrying about something, make it happen. You can't, by worrying about something, keep it from happening. It doesn't have any logic. It makes no sense. So why would you continue to do the thing that isn't helping you, but is actually hurting you? And the answer is that there's more than science to this. There's a spiritual battle that goes on for the souls of men and women. Because otherwise, we would all just stop. We would, we would just stop because it would make good logical sense. But we don't. Why? Because Satan wants to continue to enslave you and imprison you with the chains of fear and worry and keep you from knowing the joy of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit and the freedom 
that comes when you use Jesus' spiritual bolt cutters that set you free. Well, he's not done yet. I told you this is the longest part of the sermon. He continues in verse 28. And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. Now he said about the birds, they don't reap, they don't sow. They, now he says about flowers, they don't toil, they don't spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then these are the words of Jesus. And I believe that he says them with love. I believe he says it with compassion. I believe he says it with a shepherd's heart. But Jesus does say, Oh, you of little faith. Bolt cutter number five is this. Recognize that fear and worry are the opposites of faith. He's talking about worry in our lives. And how does he describe us? Oh, you of little faith. Now, um, if you think that I'm making too great of a too big of a deal about worry, that it's it's chains, it's handcuffs, it's it's prison bars, it it enslaves us, then I want you to know this isn't the only place where we find this in Scripture. Now, you wouldn't think that reading the words of Jesus, I would have to say, oh, you're making too big a deal of it. It's the Savior's words, but in the rest of Scripture we find this, uh, this juxtaposition that fear and worry are the opposite of trust and faith. Uh, very quickly, some of them. Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Hebrews 2 verse 15, fear subjects us to lifelong slavery. John chapter 8, verse 34, whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. Romans 14, 23, whatever is not of faith is sin. In Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. D- do you see it? Do you see what Jesus is saying? When I choose to worry, when I choose stress, you say, well, I don't choose it. Yeah, you do. You, you choose it. In fact, some of you choose it so often that you don't feel good unless you feel bad. If, if you didn't have anything to worry about, you would think you'd be worried that you don't have anything to worry about. You, you, you've created the monster within you. This is why it's a prison cell. This is why you're enchained, because you don't even recognize it. It's just not fair to call it a sin. It's just my emotion. Well, you're choosing it. Jesus said a command, don't be, don't be anxious. And so when you choose that, he describes you and me as you of little faith. So we've got to see this really clearly. That's a master over there, or Jesus can be my master. I can choose fear or I can choose faith. But to pretend that they coexist eh, is not what the Bible teaches. And it's not what God wants for you. He wants victory for you. He wants joy for you. He wants you to be set free.
In fact, I quoted to you John 8, 34, whoever sins is a slave to sin. But in verse 36 of John 8, it says, and if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. These are spiritual bolt cutters for your life. Now, they're spiritual bolt cutters because it would look really funny, wouldn't it? Would it would look, ladies, if you saw another lady and she had her purse and she had five bolt cutters in there, you know? And, and that's the way we think. So we go like, well, you need the right tool, but who's going to carry around five bolt cutters? Wouldn't it be great if there was one master spiritual tool that took care of all your fears and needs? It sounds like a commercial on TV. A five in one. A tool that's five in one. But wait, if you act now, we'll send you two. Well, there is one tool. It's the summation of the passage. He says in verse 31, Therefore, do not be anxious. That's the third time that he says it. Don't be anxious saying, What are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what am I going to wear? That's what the Gentiles seek after. When he uses the word Gentiles here, he's talking about unbelievers. In this, in this context, he's saying, that's the way unbelievers act. But your heavenly Father, do you see it again? You have a loving heavenly Father. He knows that you need them all. And here's verse 33. This, By the way, this is the pinnacle of the whole sermon. The climax of the whole sermon is verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you're worried about, God will take care of them all. They'll all be added unto you. So here it is. It's your, it's your one master tool. What, what is it that you need in your life? You need to seek first the kingdom of God. Now, here's what's incredible. The sermon is truly about worry. Jesus is choosing the sin of worry to make his point. But I don't know if you've even started to notice this. Did you notice that every single spiritual bolt cutter that Jesus gives us can be applied to every single sin in your life? It doesn't matter what the sin is. If you're sitting there going, well, this sermon wasn't for me. I I really don't struggle with worry. And you're the reason the rest of us worry, because you don't worry. But if that's you, what sin do you struggle with? And if you say, well, I'm not struggling with any sins, then you struggle with the sin of pride and self-righteousness, don't you? But you do struggle with sin. And because whoever sins is a slave to that sin, John eight thirty four, then that sin creates your need for a spiritual bolt cutter. So, it doesn't matter if, it's, uh, if, if the sin is eating chocolate, using your credit card, Uh, uh, drinking or drugs. The spiritual bull cutter works for all of them. Listen to them again. Make the faith determination that Jesus is your only master. That's always the beginning place. Listen to the hunger of your soul that tells you there's more to life than your addiction and your sin. Believe in your heart and trust that God is a loving heavenly father. Make your decision based on the logic that that sin has no value to you at all. Satan is simply using it to hold you in those chains. And lastly, recognize that that sin, whatever it is, is the opposite of faith. So how are you going to conquer that? How do you conquer? Now we'll go back to worry. Well, isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say, well, here's the answer. Don't worry, be happy. 
The problem with not worrying about worry is that then you're worried about not worrying about worry. You, it's a, do you understand? It's a cycle you can't get out of. And so the instruction from the Lord isn't negative, like stop worrying, stop worrying about worrying, stop worrying about worrying when you worry. You can't, he turns you away from the world. He turns you away from your sin. He turns you away from your worry. And he says in a positive sense, seek first the kingdom of God. And when I turn my eyes upon Jesus, And I seek his righteousness. There's a whole sermon in there I don't have time for. The kingdom of God includes his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the stuff that you're worried about, it all gets taken care of. Now, that is not superficial, don't worry, be happy. Because you say, there's real stuff over there. Yeah, there really is real stuff over there. How is that stuff going to be taken care of? You cannot, by worrying, take care of it. Have you not learned that? So you need someone bigger than you to take care of it. You need the loving Heavenly Father to do it. So turn your eyes off of your worries, off of the world, off of your stresses, and seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. And that's the master tool. I want to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. Maybe this morning... uh, You are struggling so much with worry and fear, and this sermon was just right on target for you. In fact, you're sitting there thinking, oh man, how how did God do that? Because you and I didn't talk at all this week, and I didn't know your life, but God has promised to meet you here, and through his word and his Holy Spirit, he's spoken to you. And in a sermon on the mount given 2,000 years ago, He tells you exactly how you can be set free. And maybe you're here this morning and your your problem sin is not worry. But I want you to realize that every single principle in this passage, every bolt cutter, we called them, is that which will set you free from your sin. And so God's speaking to you. And in a sense, this morning, we're just one big support group, aren't we? Sinners Saved by Grace, the Emmanuel Support Group, and here we are with a desire to be more like Christ, with a desire to overcome our fears and our worries and our sins, with a desire to seek God's kingdom first. And so that God, the God of the kingdom, the King of kings and the Lord of lords has met you here. And by his word, preached by his son, preserved for us by his Holy Spirit he meets the need of your soul imprinted with his image won't you say yes to him heads are bowed, eyes are closed just a time of response no one's going to come to you, no one's going to embarrass you but have you ever given your life to Christ it all starts the the first bolt cutter was make Jesus your master The scripture says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning you could trust in him. You could say, here's my life. Even as you laid down your life for me, Jesus, I give my life to you. And the best that I know how from this day forward, I make you my master. Many of you in this room have already done that. 
You're already believers. You've already trusted in Jesus, but the worries of the world have crept in, haven't they? You started fretting about this and worrying about that, and you've got this phobia, and you've got that stress. There's a deadline at the office, and your wife wants you to do this. Your husband wants you to do that. The kids expect this, and you've just been heavy laden. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will cut your chains free. Because whoever has the Son is free indeed. Won't you recommit to him? Father, you see our hearts. You know everything about us. You know our journey. You know what we've been worrying about this week. You know the sin that we've been struggling with. And this morning you've met us here. By the power of your word and the power of your grace, you've called us and you've said, I am your answer. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so this morning we turn back to you again. And we pray that you would begin to do a work in our life, that even this afternoon, later today, when we start to worry about that thing, we would turn our eyes on Jesus. We would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we would watch you do a work that makes our chains fall away. Father, do this in the most precious and holy name of your son. And it's in his name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, by way of benediction this morning, um, when you read the Sermon on the Mount uh, and you come to the very last phrases of it, as Matthew summarizes it, he understates it, but... What he says just in a sentence is that when the people heard Jesus teach, they were astonished. Uh, One of my fears um, is that I get so familiar with the Word of God, and uh, I've known pieces and parts of the Sermon on the Mount of my whole life, since I can remember. Uh, memorizing parts of it, the Beatitudes and and ask and seek and knock and all these parts that you you handle it so so frequently it becomes common to us. And if the Sermon on the Mount has become familiar and common to you, I would suggest to you it's time to return to your moorings. It's time to remember why it was given because The creator, savior, sustainer, almighty God of the universe gives you the secret to living. And when you live it out, it is astonishing. So take it today, live it out and astonish someone with the gospel of Christ. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church, located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.